cholesterol. <coughs> so if earlier I told you that the cholesterol you eat does not cause atherosclerosis, why all the bad press? Well, the best answer is politics. But what is the first step in atherosclerosis? The LDLs get trapped. Okay. So the more LDL you have, the more likely are that some are to get trapped, right? Okay. So there is a small relationship. Um, also, people who have, very, have a problem called familial hypercholesterolemia who have very, very high cholesterol levels tend to have a higher heart rate, heart attack rate than the normal population. One of the problems is if you start looking at research is that a lot of the early research didn't exclude those people. So what happened was people with high, high cholesterol had higher heart attack risk. And if you don't exclude the people who have that problem, what's the problem with your research, Greg? You can't generalize it because it's meaningless to someone who doesn't have hypercholesterol, familial hypercholesterolemia. If you can spell that, say that five times real fast, you know, and you win a prize. Um, but you, so it's, it, it is controversial. Um, but the correct answer, the correct answer <laughs> on the test is going to be the party line. So you have to know the party line. The party line? The party line okay. says that cholesterol is an integral part of atherosclerosis, and by treating cholesterol, we save lives. I happen to disagree to some extent. Not, you know, it's much more complicated. But, and you've got to answer on the test what the official position is. No, what I'm saying is it's not as simple as high cholesterol causes heart disease. It doesn't. And treating high cholesterol by itself doesn't lower heart disease. In some people it does, and with some drugs it does. But the party line says cholesterol bad, lower it. That saves lives, and I disagree with that. But I have to teach it to you because you're expected to know it. With that, <laughs> there's several different types of cholesterol. Um, the total cholesterol is the total cholesterol. Then there's several subtypes. Um, the two main subtypes that we typically think of when you think of cholesterol is HDL, high-density lipoprotein, and LDL, low-density lipoprotein. That's the British pronunciation. If you want to be cool and American, you say lipoprotein. You can be whatever you want. Now, here's the fun thing about the cholesterol. Um, cholesterol is a fatty substance, is a lipid. Do fats and water get along? No. What is blood, primarily? Water. So if you're going to use water, blood, as a transport mechanism for fat, what do you got to do with it? You have to package it in a molecule that likes water. And that molecule happens to be made up of phospholipids. So the little phospholipid chains, the lipid part of the phospholipid, is facing the lipid core. And the little protein part, which gets along with water, is on the outside. That's why it's called a lipoprotein. Lipid on the inside, protein on the outside. 
Why do we want the protein on the outside? Because it gets along well with water. Now, when you get a cholesterol panel, are we measuring the number of lipoproteins in your blood? What we're doing is we're breaking these open and we're seeing how much cholesterol comes out. Does that make sense? Now, what we've discovered is that the amount of cholesterol really has no relationship to the amount of lipoprotein molecules. And it's the amount of lipoprotein molecules that gets you into trouble, not the actual amount of the cholesterol. So on a cholesterol panel, you really shouldn't talk about LDL. You should talk about LDL-C. What does the C stand for? Cholesterol. All right, so here's the bottom line. Generally speaking, anyone's total cholesterol that's above 240 is at high risk for heart attack. Between 200 and 240 is gray zone. Less than 200 is desirable. How many people with heart attacks have cholesterols under 200? So again, you can't go by just cholesterol. Now what we're gonna do is we are going to assess a patient's cardiac risk factors. So what are some risk factors that you can think of? Smoking, age and male, so a male over the age of 50. Someone who, with a primary relative who's had a heart attack before the age of 50, so mother, mother, sister, father, brother. Any of those had a heart attack before 50, patients at increased risk of heart attack. Um, patient is sedentary, patient is overweight, patient smokes, patient has diabetes, patient has had a prior heart attack. All of those things. If a patient has no risk factors, their LDL target is under, under 160. So let's say for a moment that Emily has absolutely no risk factors and her LDL is 140, is she okay? If it's 155, is she okay? If it's 161, no, 161, it's too high. If the patient has one cardiovascular risk factor, then their target for LDL is 130. LDL-C is 130. So the patient smokes, but has no other risk factors. The patient has high blood pressure, but no other risk factors. The patient is a male over the age of 50, but no other risk factors. What's their target LDL-C? 130. And then we have a patient who has two or more risk factors. They have high blood pressure and they smoke. They have a first degree relative who had a heart attack before the age of 50 and they're a male over the age of 50. Yeah. Any two, the patient is at high risk for heart disease and their LDL goal is under 100. You have to know those LDL targets, targets. Two risk factors, 100. That's it. It's none, one or two or more. Yes. Right, yeah, so less than 100, less than 130, less than 160. Um, now, if a patient has heart disease, which could be they've had a heart attack in the past, they've had a positive stress test, they've had a positive angiogram, um, they've had bypass surgery, 
or if they have type 2 diabetes, that's considered having equivalent risk, having had a heart attack already. If they have any one of those, they're at high risk, and what's their, what's their LDL goal? Under 100. Yeah, right now it stops at under 100. <sighs> now, who needs to have their cholesterol checked? All adults, supposedly, should have their cholesterol checked starting at age 20 every five years. Now, do you remember way, way back to health assessment, what are the three levels of um, prevention? Okay, primary, secondary, and tertiary, yes. What does that mean? Some, so if we're screening someone, what, what level is that? It's secondary. Early detection is secondary. Now, um, if the patient has no reason for you to check their cholesterol other than the guidelines say to, you're screening. If the patient has other cardiovascular risk factors and you're checking because of that, then it's no longer considered screening, it's considered diagnostic. Whatever, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's no symptoms that make you go, I think I have high cholesterol. Um, so anyway, every five years, as long as you're normal. If it's high, then we expect you to do what's called TLC, Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes, which by the way, most people doesn't help them at all. And then, if they fail that, they should start cholesterol-lowering medications. As far as how you treat it, um, there's really only one medication class that actually saves lives. There's only one medication class that has been shown to reduce heart attacks in patients with high cholesterol, and that is statins. All the others, yes, they do lower cholesterol, but they don't save lives, they don't reduce heart attacks, not consistently anyway. Um, with statins, every now and then you'll hear like, you'll hear an interview with a doctor who says something like, we should put statins in the water. They're hell so helpful. Well, one of the things you have to look at when you look at cholesterol studies, even in the, even in the cholesterol studies where it shows that the statins were the most helpful, the heart attack and death rate is still relatively low. Like you're talking three to five percent over a five year period. And to make sure you get enough people having heart attacks and dying to make it worthwhile spending all that money to, to do the study, you have to study people who are very, very high risk. So a lot of times these people are elderly patients who already have heart disease or at extreme risk for heart disease. And what, what the doctors are doing is they're taking a study that says statins are helpful for those people and saying everyone in this room, many of you who are under 30 and have no cardiovascular risk factors should be taking this drug. Now does that make sense to you? No. So anytime you hear someone say that, mentally, you say this person doesn't know what they're talking about and you disregard everything they say. Uh, oh yeah, they can, but we should give them to people who don't have cardiovascular risk factors in the first place. You know, they, they're less effective, you know, and when you look at the research, the statins work the best in the people with the highest risk. So, but you can't extrapolate from that and 
and then go say young people with no risk factors should take them or even young people with one risk factor. In the podcast, I go over all the drugs, so I'm just going to very, 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 very briefly run through them. Um, cholesteramine, bile acid sequestrant, lowers cholesterol by making you not able to absorb it as well. Problem is it can also interfere with absorption of fat-soluble vitamins because bile is how you absorb fats in the first place. Um, can also cause some nasty GI side effects. Oh, yeah, like, like, um, like Zenical. Yeah, yeah th those prevent the absorption of fat. And so the, the downside is if you eat fat and can't absorb it, it has to come out the other end as diarrhea. It can give you very, you have to change the way you eat or you'll be sorry. So, <laughs> so, it, it, so it's more of a lifestyle modification regime than it is uh, fat um, not, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, moving along. Um, Statins, the way they work is by inhibiting the, the, the slowest step in the production of cholesterol. That's not actually how it reduces cholesterol, though. Your liver, in response to that, makes more LDL receptors, which pulls more LDL out of your blood. And that's what actually works. Now, in addition to that, statins have a number of other properties. They reduce inflammation. What, what do we need in order to have atherosclerosis in the first place? Inflammation. Um, so there are some people who think that it's that is how they actually reduce heart attacks, not through the cholesterol itself. It's controversial, don't know the answer. Um, of the drugs that you need to know, you need to know that with, in general, they should be taken at night because that's when your liver is the most active in terms of cholesterol production. And that lovastatin needs to be taken with a small snack. The zedia, oh sorry, the fibrates. The fibrates are better at lowering triglycerides and raising HDL than they are at lowering LDL. They've not been shown to save lives. Um, but one of the things that they are very important for is in patients who have very high triglycerides. Because very high triglycerides are associated with what problem? Acute pancreatitis. So if you have a patient who's got triglycerides of 400 or more, they're at elevated risk for acute pancreatitis. And you can use the fibrates to help get that back down. The Zetia, very few side effects, lowers cholesterol pretty well. But not only does it not save lives, it might actually cause increased heart attacks. Oops. I'm not even sure, actually. It might be, not even be on the market anymore. Don't quote me on that. And then finally, niacin. Niacin also works better on, on raising HDL and affecting triglycerides than it does on LDL. Major problem with niacin is that it causes horrible flushing side effects. Like, like you turn beet red, like you're the color of Lee's uh, computer. Yeah, close your computer so they can see it. Yeah, you look like that, beet red. Um, and it makes you feel hot and sometimes itchy. Um, they say you can reduce the effect by taking it at night with aspirin, and that way you're, sleep, you're asleep when the flushing happens. 
It's a B vitamin, but in very, very small amounts in a regular multivitamin. Fibrates um, raise HDL and lower triglycerides. All right. Um, last thing about cholesterol before we move on. Um, so we focused on total cholesterol and LDL so far. Um, HDL and triglycerides are really more important in terms of, the, of um, cardiovascular risk. In fact, a patient who has low HDL and high triglycerides has... has <laughs> has what's called cardiogenic lipoprofile. So, so you also want to have a patient who has low triglycerides and high HDL. And in general, women should have higher HDL than men. Um, just how it is. Awesome. Yeah, because you're awesome. Um, low HDL is highly associated with cardiovascular risk, but things that go along with low HDL include being sedentary, being overweight, um, and smoking. So what happens when you have someone who doesn't smoke, isn't overweight, and exercises and still has low HDL? Are they still at risk or are they not? No one knows the answer. Um, with triglycerides, um, elevated triglycerides can, can also be a sign of, um, of uh, what's the word? Insulin resistance. So remember, low HDL and high triglycerides were one of the criteria for metabolic syndrome. So that's another area where there's some interaction between um, cholesterol and diabetes. Um, if you want to lower someone's triglycerides level, the best way to do it is to have them not eat carbohydrates. Now, why is that? Nope. When you eat carbohydrates, how does your body respond? Secretes insulin. What, is ins what does insulin tell your liver to do? Take that sugar, turn it into glycogen. When you run out of room for glycogen, turn it into triglycerides. Take those triglycerides, package them up into VLDL molecules, and send them to adipose tissue. So after you eat a very high carbohydrate meal, you're gonna have elevated triglycerides. Um, when you do get a cholesterol panel, you should be fasting for at least eight hours and 12 hours is better if you wanna have a good triglyceride reading. Now here's what's even more fun. On the, on the lipid panel, what they do is they measure your total, and they measure your triglycerides, and they measure your HDL. And then they calculate your LDL. So if you want to have a low LDL, the best way to do it is to have elevated triglycerides. But then they, ran, they caught on to that trick. So now if your triglycerides are higher than 150, they calculate your LDL. It won't be on your test, but you should know that, yes. You should, have, you should say what you mean. For life, you should know that. 